celebrate episode 18, take episode two. Episode 18, take two. For, <laughs> for those wondering, this is our second time sitting down and recording this. Hopefully we'll have some still genuine reactions to each other's stories. But um, basically, the audio that we did last night just sounded awful. Um, Austin got it fixed before I got over here today. So we're just, we're just going to go ahead. We're going to do it. Yeah, we're um, just gonna we're gonna we're we're just gonna keep trucking. We're gonna keep moving forward. Yeah. So um, don't um, ask to listen to the other audio because no, it just not is god awful. It's not worth it. Thank you for bearing with us with our little breaky break again. We you know mental health stuff and it's it's a lot of work making a podcast and we love it. But it is. We just needed a little break again to recoup and make sure that we could get you the best quality content that i suppose we can provide (laughs) exactly i mean our what our content is we want to give that and if we feel like we can't give that or our full selves to that episode or to content of that week yeah i mean we don't want to give you a half-assed show no we want to give you a full-fledged this is an austin hannah bleeding gray productions type of show Mm -hmm. and we're not going to do anything less and we're going to make sure it's right for you guys yeah and we want to make sure it's right because this is our craft here Yes. And our craft is our craft, and we're going to make our craft even craftier. Wow. Okay, that was a lot of use of the word craft. I'm but craft. Um, all of that being said, we struggled a little bit yesterday with our intro, but I made sure I found a little something for the intro um, yes. just, to, just to get us going. So right. I have a couple little ghosty stories. Let's hear them. Coming from Reddit. It's from the Ask Reddit subreddit. Um, and it says, Redditors who have worked around death and burial, what's your best ghost story? So I have two comments in particular I'm going to read you. Awesome. So the first one, I used to be a security guard at a hospital. One night while doing my rounds, I went into the surgery ring and was walking down a hallway when I saw a doctor looking at the whiteboard where all the scheduled surgeries are written down. I said, hello, doctor, and kept going. The doctor didn't say anything back, just kept studying the whiteboard. When I got back to the security office, I was telling one of the guys that's been there for years about how I greeted this doctor, and he didn't say anything back. I asked if that's the asshole they told me to watch out for. (laughs) He asked where I saw him, and I said the surgery ward, and he gave me a smirk. He then explained that the surgery ward closes at 9 p.m., and that all patients are moved into the monitoring wards. There should be no one there. He then asked me if the doctor was studying the schedule board. I said yes, and he then told me that I just met Dr. Lucidi. Apparently, many years ago, one of the surgeons went up to the helipad and jumped off the building. It seems like he never stopped working, though. Oh. Mm-hmm. Probably jumped off because he was too stressed, but he still can't stop working. That's... I mean, that, think uh. if, if the job is what pushed him, I mean, all that energy, like, there's going to be a tie to that space. Right. And everything. So it makes sense. I mean, the other thing is, is he... Does he hate it now? I don't know. He just seems like he's... Rather timely, making sure that he knows what's going on and everything. If he's studying the schedule board. Hey, I guess like any true good doctor, you never stop learning even when you're dead. I guess. All right, and the second one. Junior doctor on the wards, doing a night shift, called to verify a death. Enter the private bay. It's all a bit grim, slightly gloomy room. Patient is lying there. Old man looks peaceful. Start my checks, stethoscope out, no signs of active respiration, no heart sounds, rub the sternum for a response, none, time to get closer and check the CNS for any signs of life. I lift the eyelids up, reach for my pen torch, balancing closer to the patient, that's when it happens. The patient lurches forward and his face is now inches from mine. I scream. Uh. 
nurses rushed in and asked, what's happened? What was that noise? Why are you so pale? You look like you've seen a ghost. That's when I realized. I leaned in too close and my leg brushed against the bed controls, raising the bed. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) The nurses couldn't stop laughing as they offered me a cup of tea. (laughs) Oh my god, that is hilarious. I was thinking some type of rigor mortis type of deal. The body just shot up or something. Like That's freaky in itself, but... How fast did those beds go up? I don't know. I <laughs> Lurched up? I mean, maybe if you're not expecting the patient to be moving, like any sort of movement is oh. going to feel really fast. I get, yeah, because, I mean, you're supposed to be looking at a dead body. Right, and I mean, think about it. If they're, like, getting into, like, um, assess something, they're already pretty close, so a body even moving just, like, a few inches is going to feel like... <laughs> true, 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 true. I can, yeah, I can see... Oh, man, yeah, I... I, I I had hoped I'd wear my brown pants that day. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to start keeping an eye out for some creepy stories and stuff on Reddit because I know that there are plenty. I just, um, I mostly lurk in like, am I the asshole forums yeah. and like true off my chest, stuff like that. So, I don't, I haven't gotten, I'm not a huge Reddit user, but um, I haven't gotten super far into like the ghosty, spooky yeah. types of things. I've been slowly getting into it because of like TikTok, they say they go to like those Redditor pages like you're talking about yeah. there so i was like okay you know what? i'll just download reddit Some and of them see are good i mean i really got into it you know i used to read you like the the forums where people would like write into a magazine or something like that oh, and yep, it was yep, kind yep, of yep, like yep. an am i the asshole or am i in the wrong what do you think right like, that kind of like an ask shirley type thing Ask shirley and then i got into two hot takes which they read off of am i the asshole true off my chest just like these bizarre crazy stories um and they have their own subreddit now where listeners can like write in their stuff and like share stories they found but anyway that's that's it that's what i got i totally forgot what the story was that i found yesterday that's totally Um, fine that's why i did this i figured we would just that's have ourselves prepared make sure that one of us had something so i couldn't find that i was trying to find go back through and i must have deleted it or something and i'm like oh that's that that's all right i think yeah so in the interest of continuity uh we're gonna flip the coin anyway and just go with whoever it lands on um if anybody's interested i did go first yesterday yep hannah sure did and we're flipping the coin now again and in the spirit of continuity, Hannah keeps to get going again. <laughs> all right, so here we go. It's deja vu all over again. Uh, today we're going to talk about Alcatraz. Yay, Alcatraz. <laughs> who who could have saw that coming? I sure didn't. <laughs> so Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary is located on Alcatraz Island, which is a little over a mile offshore of San Francisco, California. In the mid-1800s, the island was developed, a lighthouse was built, and it was fortified for military use, and a military prison was built. The lighthouse is now the oldest working lighthouse on the West Coast, and it was the first lighthouse on that coast. During the Civil War, a total of 105 cannons were mounted around the perimeter of the island. Were those cannons ever used? Um, not much, if at all. But it's like an island. Like, what do you need? Like, I guess, I guess the Navy. Well, yeah. So, um, I touched on it a little yesterday, but Alcatraz was actually supposed to be part of a trio of forts on the coast there that made up like a triangle. And, um, during this time, you know, there was a lot of unrest in the country and everything. And I think just generally they wanted to have some sort of defense on that end of the country. Hey, I mean, it makes sense. So. 
during this time, so like Civil War time, the prison held Confederate sympathizers and privateers who were on the mm-hmm. ocean. The island was also used as storage for firearms to prevent them from falling into Confederate hands. And I think most of those never got used, so. Oh, fun. Neat, neat stuff. Neat. In the mid to late 1800s, the military prison held soldiers who had committed crimes, prisoners of war, and citizens accused of treason. And the name Alcatraz comes from an old Spanish word for pelican. A Spanish explorer dubbed the island La Isla de la Alcatraces, which roughly translates to Island of Pelicans. So that also makes this Pelican Federal Penitentiary. I just love it. The pelican part. I, I will never get over the pelican part of that. Pelican Island. Pelican Island. Pelican Island. Pelican Penitentiary. Pelican Penitentiary. <laughs> that rolls off the tongue. It really does. Pelican Penitentiary. Maybe maybe an epi- maybe the episode name. Pelican Penitentiary. <laughs> pelican Federal Penitentiary. <laughs> PF. P. PFP. PFP. Well, that's pay for play. We we shouldn't or, do that. Or it's or it's pedi- but Pelican, Pelican Federal, Federal Prison. <laughs> P for P. P for P. PFP. PFP. <laughs> All right. In 1934, the island was converted into the federal prison that we all know it as now. It mm. was open until 1963, and in that time held just over 1,500 prisoners. Oh. Because of the cold and rough waters surrounding the island, the prison was basically escape-proof. Alcatraz became known as the prison that held the worst criminals, and that's what it was built for. Uh, It was a place that criminals went when they caused too many problems in other penitentiaries. It held mostly notorious bank robbers and murderers. Uh, When they were finishing building it and figuring out who to put in there, they were actually handpicking people out of the prison system. They were like, yeah, you make, make sure you get Al Capone in there. And I still can't believe they're doing like NFL style like draft. Like, yeah, like we the want that guy. The prison, yeah. And then <laughs> they did the same thing for the staff. They went through the whole U.S. prison system and everybody that was working there and handpicked who they wanted to go and work in Alcatraz. You know, it sounds kind of like a like it'd be a reality show. Get the best guards of the country versus the worst or the best slash worst criminals right. in history. Mm-hmm. And just, all right, and fight. Oh, God. Just, and brutal because, like. Oh, it would be Hunger on, Games type shit. Yeah, both ends. Just the worst of the worst. Oh, best yeah. of the best. Whatever best you want to call it. Uh, so the prison was focused on punishment and not rehabilitation. Uh oh, shocker. Big shocker, right? So when you were a prisoner there, you had five rates. Food, clothing, a cell, a weekly shower, and the right to see a doctor. A weekly shower. A weekly shower. Gross. And it's not its not like cold out there either. No, it's cold like, out there on the island because they mostly had like the wind and everything coming oh, through. They're I right guess. in the middle of the water. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they're not like really hot and sweaty. For the most part. I mean, maybe because well, hard labor hard, was yeah. standard for most of the prison's history, including before it was a federal, federal penitentiary. Before it was converted into the federal penitentiary, prisoners were also locked up with, like, a literal ball and chain. Uh, so, like, a whole cartoon kind yeah, of deal? Yeah, except very real. Like, uh, that, that wasn't an actual real thing. <laughs> man, I wonder how, how, like, heavy those chain, those ball and chains I were. Mean, they certainly aren't comfy. Oh, I'm not saying comfortability. I'm just curious of, like, how heavy is that? Can you actually walk with it? Um, yeah, it just keeps you from being able to run. Oh, I guess. Because, like, the rapid movement is going to have that ball, like, flying around. How heavy is a ball and chain <laughs> from prison? Ah, anywhere from 17 to 18 pounds. Yeah, just heavy enough. Just heavy enough. 
Wow, that would put a damper on your day. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) In the early years, there was a silence rule that was upheld, but the warden claimed it was humane because the prisoners were allowed to talk for a few minutes a day and an hour each week. And when I say a few minutes a day, I think it was literally like three minutes in the morning and three minutes at night. What do you even talk about for those three minutes? It just mostly your hi, how are you, I guess. Oh my god. The small talk, like, right. oh, hey, I just sleep. They could also only talk about approved topics. Oh, approved topics. Mm-hmm. And oh. um, if you strayed from approved topics or just generally the guards didn't like the conversation you were having, they could just throw you in solitary. But it's humane. But it's humane. The way that the silence rule was lifted was with a few rounds of the coffee game. Or what became known as the coffee game. Enlighten us with the coffee game, Hannah. (laughs) So you got a mess hall full of prisoners that are not allowed to talk. If anybody talked, they would usually be taken to solitary right away. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, though. You only have so many solitary cells. True. So if everybody starts talking, there's not much they can do. So what would happen was one person would be sitting there. And they would start talking, and somebody would start talking immediately after them, and then somebody after them, and eventually, like, just immediately, everybody's talking then. Just a big old fuck you. Yep, and (laughs) the first time it happened, the warden was like, I guess just let it go, because what are we going to do? And they just kept doing it every day, until finally the warden was like, whatever, forget it. (laughs) Persistent little fuckers, It's like, I guess they can talk. (laughs) Man, like, I wonder how many days it actually went on until he actually gave up. I'm like... I think it was less than a week. Oh. Well, that would make sense. Because, like, what are you going to do? I I guess. I'm like, how long are you going to keep it on? They're going to keep talking, and so why should we have this rule in place? Right? Like, it's just... It just goes to show you what the masses can do when there's only a few in charge. Yes, the masses... We are mighty and they are small. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I mean, they were certainly outnumbered. And I know that this prison did have more guards, like, per however many inmates than most other prisons did. But still, mm. there were more inmates than there were guards. Well, obviously, so, you can't have one guard per yeah. per inmate. It's a little excessive. Yeah. So the goal of this prison was to strip prisoners of their humanity. And they really did achieve just that. So, here's what you could expect during your stay at Alcatraz. (laughs) Oh, just a lovely little stay, it sounds (laughs) Mm -hmm. like. Almost constant cold and wind and just bleak weather Mm -hmm. because of, you know, the location. Uh, Guards doing target practice outside all day, every day. So, just like the constant, like, popping off of guns. Oh, and they're not using small calibers either. No. They're using pretty high high caliber at that time. Um, In one podcast, I heard that there was one day where a prisoner... A guard was doing target practice, and he just went, Would you just stop? Would you please stop? <laughs> like, he had just had enough, which is fair, because also on any foggy night, which is a lot of nights over there, mm-hmm. every 20 to 30 seconds, there would be a foghorn going off. No rhythm to it. No pattern. Just every 20 to 30 seconds, foghorns. The, constantly. The, this uh, These are the guards doing the foghorns? No. No, because oh. it's foggy night. Out on the oh, water. Oh, now I see. Okay. Yeah. It's all the, just all the yeah, boats. Yeah, so think about it. So for how long, you know, guards have been doing target practice outside, and now it's that time of year where every night is foggy. You're not getting any sleep, and now no. you're just, like, getting your head rocked with the sound of bullets all day long. Oh, my God. I, that's, 
It's literal madness. Yeah, we're only three points into this one. Only three. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being thrown into solitary confinement for literally almost anything. Anything. But it's humane. But it's humane. So, like, if your shirt's unbuttoned, like, there's one little button's undone, um, you didn't finish your food. And they, they, for a while, fed the prisoners very well. So it was kind of like a, you have to finish your food no matter how uncomfortably full you are, which is like a whole different type of psychological torture. It, it is, because it sounds like it's good food, and it's like, you have to be a part of the clean plate club. Mm-hmm. Like, in order to and, get... And again, the warden is like, well, we feed them. We feed them. Yeah. We feed oh, them well. Apparently overly well. But then eventually there was something that was called like the Alcatraz cocktail or something like that. And a different warden just one day was like, just blend up all their food. <clears throat> so I don't know if there was still a finish all your food rule when that was going Disgusting. on. Disgusting. Could you imagine like they put, let's just, let's just say they put, they gave you like pork chops, mashed potatoes, like in some just, type of like cake it's, dessert. It's fine. And then I like don't, some orange juice or something. Fine. And it just looks like this brown I don't want to think about mess. it. <laughs> don't need that. Thank you. You're very welcome. And then also just like putting up a picture on your wall. If you wanted to put up a picture of like your wife or whatever. Like or anything on your wall at all. Like they had to just have completely bare Even a crude, cells. a crude drawing of a stick figure? Nothing. Uh, Nothing. What if you drew on the wall? Solitary? Probably. Humane. I would guess. But, right. but but it's humane. You're only allowed outside once a week for one to two hours, depending on whether you went to church or not on Sunday. I have an issue with that. They did get hot showers. I mean, that sounds pleasant, but I hear a butt coming. There's a butt. Oh. But they were just like slightly too hot so that they weren't comfortable. And the reason oh. that these prisoners got hot showers versus cold showers was because the warden didn't want them to get used to cold water if they were to try to escape. So, yeah, they got hot showers, which most prisoners did not get, but they were, like, just just warm enough that it wasn't comfortable. That's fucked up. Yeah. But the water reminded me of something. Do you, um, Did you find something about there being sharks in the San Francisco Bay that they would tell the prisoners? No. So that was a thing. So prisoners wouldn't escape and try to swim the bay is they said there were sharks in the bay. That's really interesting. Apparently also like a professional swimmer could not make the like little over a mile swim to shore in in like a decent amount of time. Not without like a bunch of like insulated like swimwear and right. stuff I like mean, that. It's it's cold and the water's always choppy. The water's it's, it's always never choppy. Calm. So yep. you're you're fighting that. It's cold. And hypothermia I, sets in super like I think it's within thirty minutes um, and like, in that know, water. And if this professional swimmer is in a uh, whatever you want an ins- like you said, insulated mm-hmm. like swim gear, those prisoners didn't have that. Exactly. So they if it wasn't for, they should have just, they could have just told them, yeah, hypothermia set in, go and try. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know why they needed a fence. Just so they didn't, I don't know, probably because they didn't want to deal with going and fishing out dead prisoners. But that's what the imaginary sharks are for. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of all of this stuff. There's more? Every day was excruciatingly the same. Define the same. To the minute. Just oh, like gross. the schedule, everything was exactly the same. Like... You, it really did break their spirits because it was just bleak no matter where you looked. And on top of it, you could expect the same bleakness to the minute every fucking day. 
So it's like it's like deja vu every single day. You're doing the exact same thing. You may be eating something different. Not, not even deja vu, because deja vu is like, oh, I I think I've like seen this before, or like I'm, you know, whatever. They just know. They just expect it. They know that every day is going to be the oh. same. Oh, wow. Yeah. No thanks. So we're gonna talk about solitary confinement for a minute. Ooh. So there's like your sanitary sol your what? There was your standard solitary confinement. You know. Not what? your sanitary solid confinement. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it's just you in the cell. There's not much going on. Whatever. You're locked up there. No contact with anybody. I shouldn't say whatever. That's not great. But. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's but, fine. But, but compared to what I'm about to tell you, it's yeah. kind of whatever. <laughs> so then there was the hole. These were concrete cells that were painted black and had little to no light. So they were just like walking into a black hole. Mm. Um, there was only a sink and toilet and you were given a mattress only at night and it was taken away in the morning. Oh, that's so messed up. To pass the time, I guess, there was something called the button game that prisoners would play. The button game? Yeah. So they would bite a button off of their um, uniform. Mm -hmm. uh, they would spin around in the room toss the button, cover their ears, and then look for it. Crawl around on the floor looking for it. My God. Yeah. Like, ingenious, but at the same time, that's such a, just a, I don't even know how to describe that. Yeah, that's just, exactly. And if there's no light in there, like. Like, hard game, but. Hard game, but if you are sitting like, in a dark room for up to 19 days at a time. That sounds like you're going insane. Like, more than insane. Like, you start hallucinating. Well, yeah. And yeah. especially in the next cell, because we got one more solitary oh cell. Oh, my God. There's, like, three solitary levels? Yeah. Oh, no. The strip cell. Ick. So, again, that concrete cell that's painted black. There's no light. Uh, there's only a hole in the floor to use as a toilet. Uh. And inmates were stripped naked and left in there for up to 19 days at a time. Jesus Christ. I think there was somebody who was in there for... A few months, and basically oh. every 19 days, because 19 was the limit, mm -hmm. they would pull him out, shower him off, and throw him back in there, oh and rebook him into it. And again, the reason that this 19-day limit was humane was because we don't beat them. Yeah, we don't beat them. <laughs> they belong in solitary, but yeah, we don't beat them. We don't beat them, yeah. So, no psychologicalness. So just think about that. Sitting in a completely dark room, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. You're naked. You don't know how long you're going to be in there. You get basically food scraps when you do get food. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, it's just, it really fully takes away anybody's humanity. It's... Yeah, that sounds like it. It's just, it's... That'll break anybody. Cold, dark, wet, naked. There's a hole in the floor to do your business in. Mm -hmm. And no mattress during the day. Yep. Wait, or mattress at all. Um... In the third one. In the third one, I think they were supposed to get mattresses that night, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, like, maybe the guards just didn't give them mattresses. I so. It wouldn't surprise me. So, famous criminals. Ooh, famous. Al Capone, he was there for tax evasion. Of course. He was also riddled with syphilis by the time he got here and slowly losing his mind. Being transferred here was actually detrimental to his health because they did not have the same access to high-quality uh, medical treatment on the island as the prison that he had been in previously had. So that's kind of sad. It's almost like they just wanted him to die. 
they just wanted him there so they could say, you know, we got Al Capone. We got Al Capone. We don't care what his health is. Sure, he's a bad guy, but... So we've got Robert Franklin Stroud, the Birdman of Alcatraz. So yesterday I had Austin add these to his list of subjects, um, a few of these, um, as well as a couple of other things I will mention, just so we know that maybe we can expect one of these from Austin soon. Yes. But um, the Birdman of Alcatraz, he was a notorious criminal and murderer and known to have a very Jekyll and Hyde personality. Some people thought he was dumb, but he was actually very smart. During his time at Leavenworth Penitentiary, which is the prison he was at before Alcatraz, he was allowed to keep birds and became a respected... Well, I say... My note says that he became a respected ornithologist, but later on in my research, I found out that when somebody actually looked at his research and, like, all of these cures and things that he came up with, they were actually super toxic to birds. Of course. Yeah. Like, I think one of them was, like, soaking pound cake in, like, cherry syrup. How is that going to fix anything? Yeah, I, exactly. It's going to kill any bird, just about. It's going to kill any human. <laughs> he was not allowed birds at Alcatraz. This man, though, apparently he could get, like, a whole cell block just, like, yelling and in chaos by mm-hmm. just a well-thought-out temper tantrum. Oh, okay. So he would start yelling and freaking out, and he just had this insane reputation, partially because of this Jekyll and Hyde personality. Right, right. That when the other prisoners heard him yelling, they all started yelling. He's a good manipulator, too. Yes. Yes, actually, he was. Uh, George Kelly Barnes, also known as Machine Gun Kelly, not the rapper, but the gangster from Tennessee. Yeah, let's get that, let's get that straight. His OGMGK. <laughs> his nickname came from his favorite weapon, the Thompson machine gun. Uh, Ellsworth Raymond Johnson, also known as Bumpy Johnson. <laughs> Bumpy I, Johnson. I had to add him because just the name Bumpy Johnson, I love it. Uh, he was a crime boss from Harlem in New York City. And then we also had Floyd Hamilton, who was the driver for Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. And I think a few people from the Bonnie and Clyde gang were... Um, in Alcatraz at one point or another. But never Bonnie and Clyde. I don't think... No. No, because Bonnie and Clyde died. I, I know. that I was being <laughs> facetious. Oh. <laughs> you, you looked... Like, the way you your face looked was like you were asking the question. I was like, no. <laughs> to throw you off. Yeah, it was a part of my ruse. Oh, okay. Um, I'll do it more sarcastically next time. How okay. about that? Okay. There were plenty of escape attempts, but mm-hmm. most were unsuccessful. The first one I have here is on May 2nd, 1946, a failed escape attempt of six prisoners led to the Battle of Alcatraz, which sounds badass. Hey, just kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning. <laughs> this is the prison guards versus the inmates? Yeah, basically. Sweet. So it turned into a prison riot that lasted about two days. Marines and I think also the Coast Guard and maybe some others had to be called in. At one point, Marines were like just drilling holes into the ceilings and like popping grenades down there. <laughs> But yeah, so ultimately, the, like, the warden wanted to handle it himself, but ultimately the Marines had to come come in and take back the prison. And the most famous escape attempt was carried out by Frank Morris, John Anglin, and Clarence Anglin on June 11th, 1962. And this was only, like, a year before the prison closed. Oh, yeah. damn. Uh, they had made paper mache heads that they had left tucked into their beds, got out through ventilation ducts that they widened using spoons to dig them out from the mess hall, and then through an unused utility hall and got on a raft that they made. Officially, they were presumed drowned. Mm. But some rumors say that they made it all the way to Brazil. 
I don't know that they made it all the way to, to Brazil on that raft, but like rumors say ultimately they ended up in Brazil. Okay. So I would say both of those you should cover, but especially this second one because this hardly touches on what they actually did and the amount of oh, effort yeah. that went into it. Like it's a, it's a whole thing. There's so many documentaries about it. It's insane. Yeah, I'll have to definitely do that one. So, many inmates went insane while serving their time at Alcatraz. At one point during a three-year period, 35 inmates left the prison in straitjackets, headed to a federal asylum. Ooh. Many others just simply killed themselves. Gee, I wonder why. Studies suggest that more men, and I believe this is like by percent of like the total number of inmates that have been there, um, but more men have suffered severe mental breakdowns at this prison than any other in the country, and I think that's possibly to date. Oh, goddamn. Yeah. So I've got a few examples. All right. We've got uh, one inmate who, one at a time, chopped off his fingers on one hand and then threw his knife toward another person who had just watched him do this and begged him to chop the fingers off of his other hand. Because any sane person does that, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That hasn't been through multiple, multiple torture sessions. Yes. Within the walls of the confines. And then there was another inmate who took off to try to scale the fence in an attempt to be shot because the rule was if somebody's on a fence, you shoot them. Like, no questions asked. So as he's taking off, a guard fired a warning shot. He didn't stop. And this inmate was shot and killed. Well... Either that was the most dumbest escape, or yeah, he really no, just that, wanted to die. That was just that was his intention. He was, got exactly oh. what he wanted. All right, well there we go. And then a barber who just snapped and stabbed the person in their chair with their scissors. I think it was in the neck. Oh my god. Yeah. Imagine just like yeah, I'm here for my haircut and just stab. I heard at one point with the story that the barber and the person he killed they were actually lovers. Oh. Yeah. So maybe the lover cheated? No, apparently the barber just snapped. Oh, just, oh. Like, like we're talking about, like, prisoners losing their minds here. God damn. Yeah, they just, they snapped. And then Al Capone had a really bad mental breakdown while he was here, too. He eventually could not be around anyone or anything and spent a lot of his free time in the showers playing his banjo. Mm-hmm. Because uh, at a certain point, the prison was like, yeah, I guess if that's all he wants, then we we can do that, I guess. Hey, man's dying anyways. I mean, he was in his 30s, and a lot of accounts say that he looked like just a withering old man. I believe that, especially having syphilis with mm-hmm. no cure. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we've got some hauntings. Ooh, um, spooky. It's said that Native people believed that the island was inhabited by evil spirits and would send people there as punishment to live among the evil spirits, temporarily or for the rest of their lives. Ah. So I think let's Ah. just take all of that into account. Yeah. All right. (laughs) About the land. Metal doors can be heard banging shut, as well as whistles and men's voices or screams. Running footsteps and chains rattling are also commonly heard. Before, this was a federal penitentiary, Mm -hmm. and chains were used a lot more commonly, and they did beat the prisoners. Uh, They also weren't really allowed to talk or communicate, so when a prisoner was getting beaten, somebody nearby would start rattling their chains, and then usually, like, the whole 
cell block would start rattling their chains. Oh, no. And this was so loud that supposedly you knew off-island when a prisoner was getting beat because you could hear the chains rattling. I mean, just how eerie that is, like, especially on one of those foggy nights. Mm-hmm. Just hear... You just hear, like, the water crashing and, like... And then just... just the... in the distance, you hear a bunch of, like, prisoners yelling and chains rattling and... Oh, that's eerie. Yeah. So cell 14D, I believe this was the strip cell. People report an unnerving coldness in there, and they say it feels like there's multiple spirits just watching them. Like, just all eyes on them. One inmate that was sent to the cell encountered a ghost of a man with two broken legs who said he had been beaten by guards and left there to die, which was later confirmed to be on record. Oh, okay. An inmate died in the cell from being strangled. Oh, no. Let me tell you what happened. Okay. So, the night that he was put in the cell, he was heard crying out all night long that there was a creature with glowing red eyes in the cell with him trying to kill him, and just all night he was crying and yelling, screaming for help. And the guards just ignored him. They thought that he was just trying to get under their skin, bug him, whatever. In the morning, it was quiet. Of course. And they went to check on him, and he was dead on the floor with strangulation marks on his neck. And the autopsy said that with the way the marks were on his neck, there was no way he could have strangled himself. It was done by someone or something else. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, thanks. And then for, like, a week, I think, after his death, uh, when guards would do a head count, they'd usually be off by one because his ghost would show up in the lineup. <laughs> and then of course they'd would. count and he'd disappear and they'd have to recount. Yeah, it was a whole thing. It's like a big old fuck you. Like, mm-hmm. you guys got to do this again. Right. That spirit that was in that cell that killed him um, is believed, from what I could tell, is the spirit that they call the thing. Mm hmm. Um, and he, he likes to, you know, slam doors and like whisper things and just make noise and just, you know, wreak general havoc. And murder people. Yeah. Murder people. So the usual. Yeah. So with Al Capone spending all of his time in the showers, plucking away at his banjo, banjo music can be heard coming from the showers. I don't like that. I get, I, I, I understand, but I don't, I don't like that. I mean, there's worse things you could hear. A, a child's laughter in the hallways of an abandoned building? Yeah. Right. I'd, I'd rather hear banjo music, if we're being honest. Yeah. You need to paddle faster, I hear banjos. <laughs> Apparitions have been seen at the old warden's house since the 40s. Mm-hmm. During a Christmas party, when Warden Johnston, and this was the, we're humane, we don't beat them, they're well fed, like, <laughs> that's yeah. this guy. Great. So, during a Christmas party at his house... Guards saw an apparition of a ghost who just suddenly showed up in front of them. He was wearing a gray suit, a brimmed cap, and he had mutton chop sideburns. Badass. Just, yeah, a whole look. (laughs) Uh, He scared the guards. Uh, The room suddenly got incredibly cold. The fire in the stove went out, and then like a minute later, he just disappeared. How dramatic. Yeah. You come in, you do all this, and just poof. Like, a full show for Christmas. Like, here you go. <laughs> Thank you, I'm here all week. Sometimes on foggy nights, the old lighthouse that once stood there will appear, and along with it comes a whistling sound and a flashing green light that just, like, circles the island. And no one knows what it is. What I would give to see that, no. And the, the whistling and the light don't go away until, like, the lighthouse goes away. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. There is a spirit of a man who went by butcher in the laundry room that psychics have encountered. 
And at one point, one psychic had an ex-inmate who confirmed that this guy, Butcher, had been killed in that room. It's amazing how many different accounts there are that can prove Yeah, they can all be traced back to something. It's incredible. The laundry room will also smell of smoke, and when somebody goes to check it out, there will be thick black smoke that's just so strong and, like, looming out of there. And they have to leave because, one, they can't take it, and two, they're like, well, shit, we should probably get help. Right, yeah. When they come back, the smoke is gone, smell is gone. Like nothing ever happened. Yeah, like nothing ever happened. And I think this is attributed to there was about 19 months, I think, after the prison closed that Native people lived on the island in an attempt to, like, reclaim land and everything. Okay. It didn't work out because this is just basically a an island of concrete at this point. Right. But a fire started in the laundry room in that time, and so I think that's what that's... Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yes. There is a corridor during the Battle of Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. I believe it was three inmates were shot here by the Marines as oh. they were coming through and reclaiming. So in this corridor, when the doors to it are closed, you can hear bullets being fired from behind the door. How fucking wild is that? Yeah. Close the door and there's a whole shootout? Yeah, just everything's popping off and you open the door, it stops. It's gone like, oh, that's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there's also been apparitions of men in old prison clothes walking through there. Okay. Figures and shadows can be seen walking on the catwalks and behind the bars of the cell, specifically. Specifically behind, not in front. Yeah, so some people are like, well, maybe it's like a shadow and like, you're, you know, you've seen that and everything. But there was an investigator that thought that and mm-hmm. looked closer and realized that the shadow was moving behind the bars. You could see the bars very clearly in front of the shadow. Oh, that was yeah. There. No, yeah. thanks. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. Investigators have also gotten full names from spirits that they were able to go back and then, like, confirm with prison records. Oh. Um, as well as intelligent responses from ghosts of inmates. How there's, intelligent we talking? There's a spirit in the basement that says he's he feels too guilty to leave. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. So, I'm like, hey, buddy, like, you don't have to do an eternity. I guess I don't know what he did. I don't know who he is. But, like, I don't think you have to do an eternity. If he feels guilty enough, let him do it. I guess. People have felt hands touching them and grabbing them by the back of the neck, and some have heard disturbing things being whispered to them. No I did means not, no. I did not look up what disturbing <clears throat> was. I don't... I personally don't really want to know, so. There's apparitions of guards, soldiers, and native spirits. Phantom cannon and gunshot sounds can be heard. Mm-hmm. People report, like, a feeling of constant fear, or like they're being watched while they're in the prison. Um, and then one that I actually didn't mention yesterday, I think it was in, like, 2014, a couple accidentally caught, like, an apparition of a woman in white in the prison. Oh. Yeah. And where do we think the woman in white came from? My guess is going to be um, probably from um, some of the families of the guards or warden. Because there, there was um, housing on the island for the families oh, of the people who okay. worked there. So I'm going to guess maybe it was one of them. I did look up to see like what happened to bodies of inmates. Because I'm like, you're not burying them there. There were a couple of... Um, cemeteries that like wardens and their families and like guards and stuff that their bodies would go to specifically um but as far as inmates they were sent to a corner on the mainland okay and then go wherever from there ah so yeah i was gonna say like yeah where do all the bodies go and if it's like all just rock and concrete they ain't building they're not burying them there or anything like that so um, they did find underground uh, some sort of like tunnel system or structure. Oh. 
Um, that's not part of the prison? Um, I mean, I think you can, maybe you can't access it, because they found it using, like, the, the ground x-ray. Oh. I think it was very old from, like, the initial structures that were built there. But, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So that's that. Um, but before I wrap up, do you want to hear about the hooch in Alcatraz? Let's hear about the hooch. This sounds All right, really complicated delicious. recipe. Okay. Complicated recipe. Okay. Very, very complicated. Are you ready? Yes, I'm, I'm ready for it. Milk. Okay. And gasoline. No, what the? Why? What purpose does gasoline serve in milk or in vice it, versa? It was, it was more about what they had available to them. Okay. And they had milk and gasoline. So obviously, oh, gasoline God. is very toxic. No shit. PSA: Nobody ever drink gasoline. Please don't, don't do it. But, but when you do. No, not when you do. If you do. If you do. <laughs> sorry. If you if you do. But don't. The moments leading up to death are wild. You're just going on a whole trip. You're hallucinating and everything. So basically, they would drink it just enough so they would get that, but not die. And oh the God. milk was really just meant to cut the flavor of the gasoline. I could just I could only imagine how it burns going down. Yeah. And just the, just the smell that, like, yeah. I don't think that milk and that gasoline are mixing. And I'm thinking about like the general consistency of them. They're both liquid, but they have slightly different liquid consistencies. Well, like different viscosities. Yeah, they, and they don't mix. Like you're getting. Yeah, I'm curious how well they mix. If at all. I would guarantee, like, water and oil. Well, water and gasoline. Water and gasoline. Well, thank you for that insightful story on Alcatraz, Hannah. Yeah. What do you got for us today? I... Because I have no idea at all, whatsoever. No, no idea. Well, today I'm talking about Belle Gibson and the con artist. Ooh. Love a good con artist. So... You should do the Tinder swindler sometime. I should do. I was thinking about that. Okay, speaking of this, before I let you actually yeah, go on okay. your story. Because I'm going to put it out there so okay. our listeners can hear it. Yeah. And hopefully hold you accountable. Hold me accountable, okay. Yes, because we talked about this. Yeah. I want Austin to do some of like the bigger name true crime stories. I suggested Dahmer. He doesn't really want to do Dahmer. We'll make him do it eventually. But like Ted Bundy, Ed Gein, um, Golden State Killer, like all of those. Um just because I think it would be cool to hear, like, his version of it. And also most podcasts, like, cover some of the big stories anyway. So True. So I'm putting that out there so our listeners hear me telling you to do it. I will do it. I will say I have two stories on two different serial, serial killers, big name ones. Oh, good. Done. Oh, even better. So I was trying to get, like, uh, four or five of them done. And then I was going to sprinkle them in. Oh, okay. As we go along. So... Yeah. It looks like our little talk worked out after all, but yeah, it, I'm, it's a, I'm it's, putting it, it out there for everyone else to hear too. It was a it was a time in the making. And if there's any specific like big name ones you do want us to cover, of any stories, not just true crime, of like ones that I do too, spooky paranormal, all of that, please let us know. You are welcome to leave it in the little um, Q and A's on Spotify. You can. Email them to us at thebleedinggrave at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on social media, anything like that. So, 
you can post it in the comments on Facebook and Instagram yeah, as well, or even our Twitter. Literally anywhere. We watch anywhere. that stuff like a hawk. Not that we need to, because there's not a lot of activity, but all of that being said, Austin? We're trying to get more activity. Yeah. Austin, go ahead with your story. But I was also going to note, I don't want to do Dahmer yet, because Dahmer's such a big thing right now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, nah, we're good. Everyone knows Dahmer right now. Yeah. So maybe next year. Okay. Any hoozles. We're talking about Belle Gibson today. Uh, Belle Gibson was born in 1991 on October 8th in a state of uh, Tasmania that's in Australia. It's also a little island. Hannah pointed that out to me yesterday. Yeah. It was one of those weird little like facts that just lives in my brain for no reason. Yeah, just no reason. She just, she just somehow knew that. I didn't know that. I didn't look up where the geographical location of Tasmania was, but... Hannah had ha- Hannah had my back. I a lot of times just staring at maps in school when I would zone out. So <laughs> oh, there we go. Look at that. Um, I do just want to preface this all. A lot of the information that I got is by interviews that uh, Bell has done over the years. Um, so it's where a lot of the information comes from. Uh, at, she did leave her family home at the age of twelve to live with a family friend due to just not a great living situation at her parents' at her parents' home. She did attend school while living with her family or with her friend's family, and she went to Wynnum High School, but she did drop out at year 10. And she started working at a food service slash catering company as a trainee, uh, and that was according to her uh, a social media. As well, according to her social media, at that time, she moved to Perth, which is a, Western, uh, a city in Western Australia. While there, she was involved in the skateboard community and its online community, which was, according to her social media as well, other than she just was in the community, there was no rhyme or reason as to why. But a year later, she moved again to Melbourne in July of 2009, and there at the age of 18, she would meet her partner and uh, future husband, Clive, uh, and they would have a child together. So we're going to go and look at the social media world that she had created for herself. This all started in the late 2000s, about that 2008, 2009, when she did move to Melbourne. On her social media, she was someone who was always into fitness and wellness, and she made some very deep personal posts after a while, and she goes on to tell her story. Her story starts off, she went to the doctor for a routine cervical cancer vaccine, and from there she goes on to say she wasn't feeling too good a few weeks after and about a month later, she went back to the doctors, and they found she has malignant brain cancer. Oof. Right? And from there, a few months later, it, she posted again saying that the cancer has moved from her brain to into her blood, her spleen, uterus, liver, and kidneys. Woof. Right? Like, that's, that's like a big that's, oof. It's like, it just... This is rapid cancer. That's like that's got to be like stage four cancer or something like that. I mean, that's definitely something. Something. It's something bad. And from her social media, you can see she was very passionate. and she wasn't going to let this cancer beat her. And in 2009, she released an app called The Whole Pantry. Uh, this was an app where it'll show you all the foods and uh, and drinks that you should look for. Uh, along with tips and tricks if you have certain illnesses and she also had a special section for those with cancer and the foods that you should eat while going through treatment as well i mean honestly like that is such a great idea for an app Mm -hmm. i mean even i know it was because she had cancer but like even as like a diabetic like some sort of app because there's so many so many different things where like diet can assist 
oh, yeah. in your treatment and just kind of how you're doing and everything. And so if you could go in and put in like your symptoms or like what what ailments you know you have mm-hmm. and get like a general like this is good for like anti-inflammatory like stay away from this because this might be affecting your gut like stuff like that oh yeah it'd be just super beneficial to a lot of people but you know it'd be <clears throat> behind a massive fucking paywall oh 100 that that shit wouldn't be for free at all no. Bell claims after her diagnosis, she was able to keep the cancer at bay with the right foods, exercise for the last two years before she released the app. She also goes on to say with the exercises, she uses natural medicine and alternative therapies. See, that's great and all, but like, you got to use modern medicine with that. You you can't just step away from modern medicine. I know I brought this up yesterday when you mentioned all of that, but like, Mm -hmm. while that stuff is great and it can definitely be helpful and beneficial, you can't just... Ex-nay modern medicine. No. Instead for that. It's meant to be supplemental. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of this alternative therapies are supposed to help you go through that chemo. Because as of right now, and I hope in the future that we won't have to use chemo, because uh, if for those of you who don't know what chemo exactly does, it literally kills all the cells in your body. It's like, it's like Roundup. Think of Roundup. It kills everything. Yeah. And it is just terrible but that's where alternative therapies come in and try to help you alleviate those symptoms that come with having all your cells destroyed to destroy that cancer but where i was going with that is i hope that in the future we won't have to use chemotherapy and we're able to target just the cancer cells like we have with other different modern medicines yeah exactly so she worked exclusively with apple to develop the app and in its first month the app was downloaded two hundred thousand times Jeez. Right? And it was voted Apple's best food and drink app of 2013. So literally the first year that it dropped, it got best everything. Like, everyone was downloading it. What was it called again? The Whole Pantry? It was called The Whole Pantry. I just want to see what comes up when like, I look I in, the, in the app store for it. Don't think that it does anymore. Probably not. Oh, yeah. It comes up when you search The Whole Pantry. No, I mean, every plate comes up now. Oh, okay. But, um, like, when you're typing it in, mm-hmm. like, the option in the drop-down comes oh, up for it. okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, soon after the app was a big success, Bell signed a book deal for a cookbook. And that cookbook was called The Tabletop Cookbook, which was published in October 2014. And in 2015, Apple launched the Whole Food app... So the Whole Food Pantry app as a pre-installed app on their Apple Watches. And in early to mid-2015, the app and the book had made over $1 million. And with that, Bell went on to say that she would donate $300,000 to multiple different charities. The cookbook name is really cute. A tabletop cookbook. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just works. Yeah, it's perfect. Really tabletop cute. cookbook. Hmm. Easy. What am I going to make for dinner? I should look at my tabletop cookbook. Right. And during her social media presence, she was uh, she befriended a young child with brain cancer and they stayed in touch, mainly because she had kids and she stayed in touch with uh, the child's family or parents as well. And they got really close. And to come to find out, unfortunately, this was all a lie. No. <laughs> Th- thank you for the, the drastic no, <laughs> Hannah. No way. Didn't see that coming. No. I definitely called it yesterday, way before this. Oh, yeah, she did. It was, uh, what was it? It was with the 
the natural medicine and alternative therapies and exercise yeah. <laughs> to keep cancer at bay. Um, so let's talk a little. So we all know Belle is just this cheating, lying, manipulative person. And you're just going to realize how much you actually truly hate this woman. Because I'm about to talk about her downfall. Literally, not a single move she made makes sense. Nope. Go ahead. <laughs> and I try to make, I've tried to think about how it makes sense, but it doesn't. I will go on to say that I did watch CNN, or not CNN, um, there's 60 Minutes on Bell, and the interview is very frustrating. And there's other two other interviews I watched as well. And you just, I go on, I'll, I'll talk about about how she acted in these about. interviews. About. <laughs> about. About in these interviews. Um but it's it, it's just frustrating. So let's let's uh, go into her downfall. So remember what I said she was going to give three hundred thousand dollars to charity. She only paid about seven thousand dollars to three charities, where there was supposed to be actually more charities involved in that three hundred plus that or that three hundred thousand uh, dollars. People on social media also to, uh, also began to see her inconsistencies on her posting. One person points out that Bell said to a news outlet the cancer spread from her brain to her liver and kidneys. While three months later, Bell posted on the Whole Pantry's Facebook page her cancer spread from her brain to her blood, spleen, and uterus. So which is it, Bell? But, like, is it? Is it? Because you you go on to say that it went everywhere and then you say to a news outlet that was only to your liver kidneys and then on your facebook like are you just picking and choosing which ones when you're talking about it each time or like i just i'm like what what's what's the angle here you have like the full list like you would probably or you would at least follow it up with like and a few more places like right like i I don't know. know i just work here uh, come to find out, while her fame is growing more and more, she bought a house. She also bought luxury cars, got major dental work done, bought fashion, uh, bought tons of fashion clothes with accessories and all that stuff. Really? I mean, just living a very extravagant lifestyle now. Living her best life, apparently. And it even came to light, the young child that I talked about that had brain cancer... The parents found out Bell started a fundraiser for their child's treatment, but Bell never told them about the fundraiser, and she used the money on herself. Girly pop, that's not, that's not how we use fundraisers. That's uh, not according to her. Apparently, you can just start a fundraiser for like, a child with brain cancer, not tell their parents, and then just use the money for yourself. But on top of this, like she really is an extra special type of shitty. Mm-hmm. Because she. There was an actual child with cancer involved. Oh, and they, in according to that child's family, how close they got. It's Belle's it's family and disturbing. the child's family. It's like how close and how like that they would, would have birthday go, parties and all this stuff together. That's what I'm saying. It's disturbing that you would have this relationship. Like, did she just make this relationship and like put it in the back of her mind for a while? Like that I'm going to do this. And then she just waited until the right time. I, I I would say that she had this plan from the get go, and used that sympathy again with her to for her own gain, her own just, personal gain. It's really upsetting. It really is. As everything was coming to light, Bell did an interview in 2015, and I will say, as a by 2015, Bell started taking down her social media accounts as well. <laughs> 
Uh, she had an interview in 2015 with the Australian Women's Weekly, and she confessed to everything being a lie from her cancer to all the claims she made and all the charities that she was going to supposedly give this money to. But Bell goes on to blame it on her upbringing, saying that she was forced to take care of herself due to neglect by her mother, as well as having to take care of her autistic brother since she was five. But did she? But did she, though? And I'm that's just what, saying that's, with, what she, that's what she said. I'm just saying with her track record, did she, though? I mean, that's and according to the interview, and that's what that's according to what she said. And this is why she this is why she constructed everything was because of her upbringing. Mm hmm. But the interviewer goes on to describe the interview with Bell. And the interviewer says, with her admission, she showed no expression of regret and she did not apologize for her actions. She says all the bad stuff she did, but she never formally goes on to say, I am sorry for these actions. I have my actions have hurt people or any type of apology. Like even the interview I watched, it just zero empathy. Oh, yeah, because when if you watch like just watch five minutes of this interview of like the 60 minute one and you're just watching Belle and it's just I don't know what it's it's just her angering. It's very angering because she's just saying this stuff without with little to no remorse. There is like literally no expression on her face except for she can't even bother to try to act like she's sorry. But like the on her face, you can definitely see when through her answers that. This is her truth, and there is nothing that's going to change her mind because this is the 100% the truth, no matter what anyone has to say about it. Okay. But a month or so later, Belle's mother, who her name was Natalie, agreed to be on the interview, or agreed to be interviewed by the same magazine. And she debunks every claim made by Belle regarding her childhood. Whoop, there it is. Including saying Belle's brother was never and has never been autistic. <laughs> and it is odd enough, but not odd enough, that Belle's husband, Clive, has never made any public comments or any public appearances regarding her actions. Homeboy's just along for the ride. Apparently, there's plenty of pictures and documentation of them driving, going, and doing their errands and everything like the paparazzi gets, but he has never once made any uh, appearances on an interview or any kind of social media, nothing. Okay. He's just going to lay low. Exactly. He's just going to let it all happen. He's like, well, I don't know. I'm going to guess the sex is good. It's usually the crazy ones that are. Oh, you never heard that? No, I've heard that. I just have never heard you say it. <laughs> Oh, well, so with her whole world just basically crashing down around her, let's talk about the aftermath. Yeah, let's talk about that shit show. So legal actions were taken against Bill, rightfully so. But the first legal action wasn't taken against Bell personally. It was taken against the publisher of the Whole Food Pantry books or the, cable, the tabletop cookbook. They were ordered to pay $30,000 to a consumer fund for not fact checking the book. So like, so she presented this idea. Have like researchers, fact checkers, copywriters, copy editors, like right. That's why there's a publishing team. That's what a publishing team is for. Exactly. She literally just came, told her idea, and they're like, 
wow, we love this sob story so well, we're just going to publish the book without even checking anything that you're, any of your claims. Her whole story is in the cookbook as well. Like everything that she's done, everything her family's been through, like this whole story of how cancer has just taken her down. And the other thing I forgot to mention in these interviews, interviews like when it was the heart, like no one knew her lie, how well she looked. Like she looked like she has never had cancer a day in her life. Yet to have brain cancer, blood cancer, kidney cancer, all these cancers. And she looks healthier and fitter than anybody you know. Like, I, girl. Did she have hair the whole time? Oh, long, long, long blonde hair. Stop it. And you could definitely tell it was never a wig. I mean, wigs are really good, but still. Um, Back in 2010, maybe? I don't know wigs that well. Like, I know wigs today, like we used at Dead End and everything. Like, they're really, they that, can be good. That, that, no, I'm talking, like, true, full, like, cosmetic wig. Oh, I see. Not just, like, a costume yeah, wig with, like, costume. with like latex about, on it. Yeah, I'm talking about, like, a full, like, wig and the whole shebang with, yeah. Okay. I don't know if they had that kind of stuff back then, but watching these interviews from, like, 2012, 2013, they are... Surprise! She is surprisingly very healthy looking for being yeah. somebody who has cancer for the last four years. It's infuriating. So we're going to fast forward a little bit to March 2017. Most of the claims against Bell were proven to not be true in court, but attorneys made the argument she had no basis to believe that she had cancer while promoting the book and app. So there is no evidence to prove that she was acting out of delusion. It just... I love how attorneys, like, you know that you're... I mean, but, like, you... I mean, I certainly think she's a little delusional, but you also don't have to be delusional to concoct this whole story. No. You You just just have to be a really terrible person. Yeah. (laughs) So, finally, in late 2017, Bell was fined $410,000 for making false claims about the donations to charity. And just all of her other, I put in quotation, delusional remarks and delusional about the app. And I just, I cannot believe the delusion. I can't believe just, this is delusion in the slightest. It's, it's just bullshit. That's it, all is. it is. It really is. Uh, Bell stated in court uh, when she was told to pay the $410,000 fine that she was $170,000 in debt and only had $5,000 to her name. So this girl who made millions of dollars. She's off got, of, she's negative. She's negative. I'm like, how can you have, and all these fundraisers and all this money that you get, that you gained from. You didn't like even try to invest it or anything. Like you didn't mm-hmm. even do anything smart with it. She was just trying to live a lap of luxury, a luxurious life. And this is all when she's like, yeah, she's only like 23, 24 at this she's time. She's still young. She's young. Like she's only a few years younger than I, oh wait, no, she's older than me. It's 91 she was born in. But still, she's like my age when this is all happening. Like, yeah, that's just nuts. And as of 2019, she had not paid a single cent towards the fine of that $410,000. And in mid-September of 2019, the Australian federal courts were seeking to enforce a penalty for her unpaid fines. So what do they do? In January 2020, Bell's house was raided by the Sheriff's Office of Victoria in Australia. And these, this was to seize items to recoup her unpaid fines. And she's still not in jail. Nope. I don't know anything about Australian law, but I'm pretty sure usually in America, you're in jail. Oh, yeah. 
in this nope. scenario. Definitely not in jail. And her home was raided for a second time in May of 2021. She's still not in jail. No. And this, again, was to seize items and to recoup that money. Insane. I want to know, this whole time that she's, like, she's got this, like, huge social media presence. Mm-hmm. and she, Like, she's, like, obviously her husband was along for the ride. Oh, yeah. Um, Where, like, did she have just everybody in her life fooled, too? And they all also thought that she had she basically cut off ties with like her family except she could just cut everyone off she had like little to no communication with them but what about like friends co-workers she moved so many times she basically manipulated them oh that's right that's Mm -hmm. right i forgot how much she moved okay Mm -hmm. she basically just manipulated the people around her to make them feel sorry for her and to keep her narrative going that she is cancer yeah I was just saying, I was like, there has to be somebody in her personal life. But if she, if she really has no personal connections, then mm-hmm. insane. Okay, go ahead. It's just, it's, it's like, what the fuck? In 2021, a video from 2019 surfaced showing Belle wearing a headscarf and claiming to be a part of the, the Oromo community. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce that right. But this is a community of Ethiopian people in Melbourne. She claims uh, she she was adopted into the community. And this was a gift from Allah. And on the same day, the president of the community made a public appearance and states, Belle is not and has never been a part of this community. (laughs) She does not work with the community. And he had only seen her at community events maybe once maybe twice and during the same time she was at those events no one knew who she was or her backstory (laughs) amazing what a bitch (laughs) this is very appropriate so um with all this shitty stuff she did and we did touch on one family's life but this messed up so much families' lives. Oh, God, like, right. this is not to mention how many people took her claim seriously. These were people that had cancer and stopped chemotherapy to do her alternative me- uh, medicines, her foods, her exercises, all this stuff. And as a result, a lot of them end up, ended up dying. And a lot of them stopped the chemo to do garrison therapy. Did you have a thought before the garrison therapy? Yeah, the thought was just circling back to if you're going to do alternative medicine, use it along with modern medicine. I I am a huge fan of alternative medicine. Anybody who knows mm-hmm. me knows this. Anytime my friends, anybody is sick, they're not feeling well, they've got an ache or a pain, I've got some woo-woo alternative suggestion oh, yeah. for them. And sometimes it works like a charm. But here's the thing. If you're having a heart attack, I'm not going to start stuffing dandelions in your mouth. I'm going to bring you to the fucking hospital. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. Also, that's not how dandelions work with your heart. But still, like, you just. If you want to explore alternative medicine, go ahead and do that. There are some really wonderful things um, and things that can help with your symptoms that may come from certain alternative medicines and practices and things, especially if it's a necessary practice and you kind of can't get around it. But don't ditch your doctor. Don't ditch your family doctor for, um, you know, essential oils and herbs. 
that, yeah. la- that lavender oil is not gonna be It'll, a substitute for to uh, chemo or acid no. reflux or whatever. It's no. like, and plus, a lot of these people just followed her claims very blindly. Well, they didn't even yes. look like, their on their own. Kind of like with fad diets, people follow those blindly, oh, yeah. and then how many people find out that like keto ends up being bad for them or Mm -hmm. they didn't do enough research on their own and they don't understand fully how it works so they have you know adverse side effects when they are done with the diet and and not even just keto like many other diets but oh yeah i just like everyone's different these fads like some of these have worked for people great that's your body type but it doesn't work for everybody because everyone is genetically different exactly and i'm it's just so sad, too, because these are people who were probably truly, like, to them, this was their last bit of hope. They had tried everything. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're willing to try almost anything. And it's just so shitty to have taken advantage of people who were so vulnerable and knowing how vulnerable they are. Oh, just Because people are going to... A lot of people are going to follow blindly like that because they see somebody who isn't was in their exact same situation, made a better mm-hmm. life for themselves. So why aren't you going to try that? Like, yeah. there's a shred of hope there. You're going to go where that shred of hope is. Yeah. And obviously, chemo is terrible. So you're going to want to get out of that. Oh, yeah. It's just. But even this, this garrison therapy that yeah, she told yeah, people right. to do. I, yeah. Tell us. So tell us about that. Because that let was me a just, whole fucking thing. Let me too. preface that there has never been any scientific studies to make claims that garrison therapy works for cancer. But here are some of the therapies that include that would be for cancer. Juice detox, doing a vegetarian diet, also consuming more protein. These are the three that these are the probably the three most like very sane. These next two are not so sane. Okay. So another Another uh, therapy in it is a coffee enema. No. Is literally taking coffee grounds. And if you know what an enema is, I'm not going to say it, but it goes up somewhere. Um, It's shoving coffee up your ass. There we go. Okay. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, As well as castor oil enemas. If if anyone knows what castor oil is, that should not be going up your butt. There's not many things that should be going up your butt. Let's be perfectly clear about that. But but we're not here to talk about what does and doesn't go up yes, your butt. We're not actually here to talk about butt stuff. So just no, no, mm. no, no. If an alternative medicine tells you to put something up your butt, maybe talk to a doctor first. I should raise a couple red flags. I Yeah. You shouldn't be putting things up your butt unless a doctor tells you to. And also, again, circling back to using alternative medicine with modern medicine, keep your doctor in the loop about what you're doing. Talk to them first. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally have had some wonderful doctors that will go ahead and look into things I bring up to them if they aren't familiar with them and get back to me with what they think about it. So, like, your doctor will most likely be willing to work with you. Again, just don't ditch your doctor. Mm -mm. (laughs) They're they're necessary. (laughs) The last thing I want to point out about garrison therapy, it was stopped back in the mid-80s. No, there was a lot of therapies that were stopped back in the mid-80s. Gee, I wonder why. Because they just, they didn't work and they were made by uh, crockpot, crackheads. <laughs> they were made by crockpots. Crockpots. <laughs> Crock of shit. <clears throat> I just, I, like I get it, everything starts somewhere. 
But like, just can we have a little more common sense? Like, juice detox is good for other things, but not for cancer. Vegetarian diet but is also, good for you things, have things, not for cancer. In your body that detox your body themselves. Yeah, you know. So you know that whole like there was a whole big thing on TikTok I think last year about those foot pads that mm-hmm. you put them on for like 24 hours and then you peel them off and they just had all this black sludge. Yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how toxins work. I don't think a pad can suck out the toxins from your body into a pad. Unless I'm wrong on that, but that just doesn't seem like how toxins just, in the body work. I don't know enough uh, about it. All I know is that like when I'm sick, I really love soaking in like pure Epsom salt baths. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I mean, if you've ever had like... Well, that's absorbing in the body, not expelling it from the body. And like, I'm pretty sure toxins get expelled through like your liver and your pee. But like I, you, like I use Epsom salt with like, um, cuts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I've heard stories from people that I know that have had something that was like a cut that got infected and I soaked it in Epsom salt and like, they've just like watched the gunk come out of the infection. Like it, it does seem to pull it out again i am this one i will be fully clear i have not actually read any research about whether epsom salt can like detox and pull stuff out like that okay but i have used it for stuff like that and it has worked well for me and it usually is super helpful when i'm like really sick um especially with like chest congestion to just Mm -hmm. like soak in an epsom salt bath a warm epsom salt bath and again, warm, because then it also makes you sweat, which is going to be another way that your body will get rid True. of toxins. Okay, yeah, there's the sweat part of it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the that's the story of Belle Gibson. I highly recommend anybody who wants to know more into her personal life, listen and watch the interviews. You just type in Belle Gibson on YouTube, and a hundred different videos are going to pop up of other people covering her, of it's on 60 Minutes, it's on a bunch of different new re-recorded, um, or, yeah, recorded uh, news outlets as well. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just wild, and the more you watch, it's just so infuriating. You think this infuriates you now, and this is just... This, I mean, this is a good chunk of exactly what she did, but just to listen to how she describes, like, her personal life, you're mm-hmm. just kind of like, wow, you truly believe this lie, mm-hmm. and you are, and even in one of the, I, I forgot to mention, the 60-minute one, they said you, there's a, they called it a, a documentation of some kind, but it was a documentation basically saying that, Bell, you will not lie during this interview, and you can tell she's she's lied so many times and the interviewer is like let bell can you you need to tell the truth when i complete strangers calling you out yeah exactly <laughs> like it, she's like i have i have documentation right here that show that proves what you just said is a lie oh can God. you stop lying to me and you just cancel the interview it's i was surprised bell didn't walk out of there I was surprised the interviewer didn't just walk out of there. That interviewer, honestly, on the 60-minute one, that interviewer is having the time of her life. You could just see the smile on her face. Like, she was doing that smile of, like, you got to be fucking well, kidding me, really? Just, yeah, I can just see the bullshit. It's like, it's, you can, her bullshit meter is just going off every sing, every 30 seconds oh, at every claim she made. And you, you want to feel bad for her in some situations, but you just, you, you can't feel bad for Belle at all. Yeah. Like, there's... Anybody that's listening, watch it. And if you can feel sorry for her and tell me A, uh, A B, and C, the reasons are why, 
I will gladly listen to you, but I don't think you can. I'd bet you, I bet, I'm so confident, I'd bet you $1,000. But I'm not actually betting $1,000. No, of course not. But it is definitely something I'd like to talk about more. So if you guys are interested, comment on our social media, send social it through our media, email. On Spotify, Spotify, whatever. every everything. All right. So, Hannah, do you have uh, a, a cemetery fun fact for us today? I do, but I also, I noticed something. <clears throat> What'd you notice? I was playing around on my phone while you were doing your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how long it's been this way, but I haven't looked at like any of our numbers in a while. Oh, are you talking about how many followers we have on Spotify? Yeah, we have 50 followers it, now. I saw that on, as a Wednesday, and I yes. wanted to bring it up, but I totally forgot yesterday. Yeah, but so yeah. I just saw that. So, yay. Yeah, 50 followers. Thanks, guys. Yeah. We're, we're, Seriously, And we have you. over 60 followers now on our Facebook and Instagram. Amazing. It's. I like, mean, again, this is like small potatoes, but like... Small potatoes, but you know, these are, these are milestones... I didn't think we were going to get sometimes like it. You always have that doubt in the back of your head, but it's, it's, it's amazing to see the numbers, see your analytics and it's amazing. And to see the countries growing, like we haven't had a new country in two episodes, but Hey, it is what it is. But Ireland, I mean, come on, we're Irish as that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So thank you everybody. Welcome to the new people. And, um, just thank you for everybody who's been along for the ride for, one episode or for 18 episodes. But uh, here's our cemetery fun fact. Yeah. Never speak ill of the dead or their spirit will come back to haunt you. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, for the most part. We get like, into a whole thing about, like, well, what kind of person were they, blah, 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 all of that. But, I mean, generally, just don't speak ill of the dead. They also have infinitely more knowledge than we do at this point. They do. They can, they can do some stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think with that, Hannah, I think it's a perfect place to stop episode 18. Yes. Um, and fun fact, we're actually recording this the night before it comes out. It's supposed to come out tomorrow on Monday. So if you're listening to this on Monday morning, I am still asleep. All right, everybody. We will see you on episode 19. So until then, take it easy. Take care of yourselves. Drink your water. Get outside. Get those fresh, sunshiny rays in this July weather. It was beautiful today. It was beautiful today. Hopefully it keeps going. But until next time, we'll see you indoors on episode 19. Bye. Bye. (laughs) The Bleeding Grave is hosted by Hannah Slavic and Austin Winger. Music by Hannah Slavic. You can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen to The Bleeding Grave on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. 